All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kula. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Welcome to today's episode where we're going to break down this idea of power because I believe that trying to talk about individual issues like motivation and mental health or addiction, anxiety, depression, or larger issues, systemic issues in our community like oppression, racism, misogyny, marginalization, the common thread that connects all of these together is power. And yet, power is really poorly understood or misunderstood, or at least it's not commonly understood. We don't have a common language for it because everyone has a unique power history and perspective on what power is and how you get it and who has it. In the Right Use of Power workshops that I facilitate for organizations across the country, we often start with the simple question of what is power? And rarely does a group have a common definition. Usually they have synonyms like influence or money or privilege. We usually fill up a whiteboard full of ideas about power, but when it comes to a common definition, it's, it can be hard to find. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to dig into the concept of power and explore the four different types of power, the power dynamic, the up and down power dynamic that exists in our organizations and inside of our relationships. And we're going to talk about the important domains of this framework called the right use of power, which really influences me and the work that I do with organizations. So thank you so much for being here. This episode is actually brought to you by Right Use of Power Institute, and you can check out the work that they're doing and learn more at www.rightuseofpower.org. Okay, let's get going. What is power? And so there's lots of different synonyms for power. There's lots of different ideas about power. And essentially power is the ability to affect change. That's it. It's a very neutral definition, which is why I like it. It doesn't inherently say that power is good or power is bad. Although when I ask audiences, when I ask groups of people or individuals, you know, what do you think about power? Everybody has some sort of reaction. Some people lean into it. Some people kind of like power and some people lean away from power and they have a bit of an adverse reaction to it. So we all have a perspective on power. We all have a unique power history. And, but the, the actual power, the definition of power is that it's the ability to affect change. And so where can we affect change? Well, we can affect change for ourselves and we call that personal power. So the first type of power is personal power. And you can probably think about your own level of personal power as how it shows up in things like motivation and engagement in your life. Are you the type of person that you can set a goal and you can work towards that goal and achieve it? Or do you find yourself not having the ability to affect change in your own life? We'll commonly call these things personality, or we might call them charisma, or like I said previously, motivation, right? But this is all held within yourself, and it's really about affecting change for yourself in your own life. The second type of power is this idea of role power. 
and roll power is power that's been granted to you or been given to you based on a role that you occupy, usually within an organization or within a community. And so you can think about your job and the work that you do if you have a job, right? It probably comes with a job description and a set of performance expectations and really clearly outlines where you can affect change and where you can't. And the higher up you are in an organization, when you make your way finally to the CEO of an organization, you have a tremendous amount of power, much more power than when you first started or someone you hire who's going to work in you know direct service. Roll power comes with it the ability to affect change for other people. And so inherently, there's a power dynamic that gets generated. As soon as you have a position, as soon as you have authority over other people, you are then into a power dynamic. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but essentially there's an up and a down power dynamic. And that doesn't mean good or bad or all power and no power. It just describes the type of relationship and what can sometimes happen in that dynamic. So that's role power, and it's something that you should be able to set aside. So when you're not at work, you shouldn't have to wear that hat. And so you can often think of roles as hats you wear or articles of clothing, and that when you walk into the office in your suit and tie, you have power in that in that context. And then when you leave the office and you take your tie off when you're driving home, you don't have that role power anymore. And so role power is something that you can embrace when you need it and use it effectively in that context, and you can let go of it as well. The third type of power that we're going to talk about today is status power. And status power can best be thought of as membership. It's membership in groups in your community or in society that gives you leverage, gives you power, gives you the ability to affect change. And this is certainly a very hot topic in society. And it's actually going to be a focus of this podcast is talking about how can we understand power, our own power and our role power and our status power in a context where there's power struggles happening all around us all the time. There's identity politics, there's left and right wing, there's neo-Nazism and anti-fascist movements happening in North America and Western Europe and really around the world as we speak, as I speak right now. And so hopefully this, this conversation about status power is going to give you some understanding and some awareness of what we can do about it because membership isn't something that we choose. I didn't choose to be a white heteronormative male who speaks English, who lives in Canada, and yet that's that's where I find myself. And so how can I understand the status and the power and the privilege that that gives me to operate and to affect change in my world in certain ways that being born or belonging to another community wouldn't give? All right, so how can we un unpack that? And we're going to spend some time on that, and I've got some guests that are going to join us in future episodes really to talk about how can we understand status and privilege and how can we use it most effectively? Right, Not to ignore it, not to pretend it doesn't exist, not to try and neutralize it, but to say, hey, this is what's happening, this is what's so, this is the impact and the influence that I do have, and here's how I can use it better. Here's how I can be in right use of power, we would say. And the fourth type of power is this idea of collective power. And we see collective power as the formation of movements of people who are more traditionally marginalized or more traditionally oppressed or find themselves in down power positions. And so certainly we saw the rise of unions over the Industrial Revolution, you know, workers unionizing. There's a power to the collective voice so that they could have a say and they could have some influence and they could affect positive change. And we still see unions being quite strong in various sectors in society. We also see movements of marginalized communities like the Black Lives Matter movement, right? And women's suffrage earlier in this, in the 19th century. 
And so this idea of collective power is that, you know, when you collect a bunch of voices together, it gives that collective a, a sense of, of, of authority and influence in society that as an individual, you wouldn't necessarily have. And so really, it's about creating status power in, an, in another way, but status for marginalized and oppressed communities so that they can also try to level that power playing field. Okay, now that we've hit the highlights of the different types of power, and again, that's personal power, role power, status power, and collective or community power, let's turn our attention and talk about the power dynamic. What happens when you're in a position where one party or one person has power over somebody else? They can affect change for somebody else. And we see this everywhere, and you're embedded in lots of power dynamics right now. You might be a parent with children. That's a power dynamic. You know, there's a role there, the role I, I wear the hat of father when I'm with my kids. You might be a, a manager or a supervisor at work. You might have employees that report to you. That's a power dynamic. And when we're on that side of the power dynamic, we call it up power the ability to affect change for somebody else. And that other person is in the corresponding down power position. And that doesn't mean good or bad or you know, all power and no power. It just describes the type of dynamic that gets created in that context, right? And so what happens in power dynamics where one person has power over the other? Well, you know, lots of things. That's where we get, you know, potentially the ability to really help people. Right? And so I spent a lot of years working in addiction and mental health with vulnerable teenagers. And I moved my way up from being a youth worker where the power dynamic that I was in was as a youth worker with a, a direct client to being a manager and responsible not only for the direct clients, but also for the staff that, that were in my care. And with the power that came with both of those roles, I was able to affect change for other people. So it might be clients, it might be staff, but part of my responsibility was to hold that power that I had, the ability to make decisions and allocate resources and essentially set the direction, the vision and the mission of the program. I had to take that and operationalize it and we operationalize it through our role and so that's you know goes back to this idea of role power what was my scope of practice how much power did i actually have in either of those roles and so that's the up power dynamic the upside of the, of the dynamic let's talk a little bit about the down power dynamic because predictable things can start to happen when we're in a position where we might be a little bit more vulnerable because we don't have decision-making power. We don't have authority. We can't influence or make decisions in a way that we can when we're on the other side of the coin. And so again, down power isn't a judgment. It isn't a, you know, it isn't bad and it isn't no power. It's just in that context, I don't have the power to make decisions. And so even as a middle manager, you know, that's a classic, you know, both sides of the coin. And so I'm responsible on the one hand for the wellness of clients and staff. And on the other hand, I had to report to a director and that director reported to a board of directors and that board of directors reported back to society or back to the government or the funding organization. And so you can see lots of different layers of power and how we can be simultaneously in a down power position and an up power position in in different contexts and it's very relational and that's one of the important hallmarks of the right use of power framework is that it isn't a one-size-fits-all approach it's a set of principles and strategies that are going to help you navigate the up and down power dynamic in lots of different relationships that you have in life relationship with yourself 
through an understanding of personal power, relationship with other people in both roles and statuses, and relationship more broadly with community and sense of identity and who and who we are as people. And we're going to get to all of that over the course of the next few podcasts with various guests. Now that we have a basic understanding of the framework, so this idea that there are four different types of power and that the up and down power dynamic exists in relationship with ourselves and with other people, let's talk a little bit about what is the right use of power framework, where did it come from, and what's the point, really, of right use of power. And to learn more about the right use of power, we're going to go straight to the source. We're going to go to the original author, Dr. Cedar Barstow. She's the founder and director of the Right Use of Power Institute. She's been a teacher and a supervisor of Hakomi Body-Centered Psychotherapy and has a long career of thinking about power and power dynamics and making sure that practitioners, particularly in the helping professions, but leaders and politicians and people who are charged with, with holding power well, in our society that they have the tools and the strategies and the resources that they need to to do that well and so please welcome dr cedar barstow what brought you to right use of power well gosh i've been involved with these ideas uh, since i was a little girl trying to figure out why anybody would steal my comic books <laughs> why would they steal comic books when they could just ask me and i would give them to them and that, <laughs> as I think back to it, that's probably the very beginning. <laughs> and then fast forward a number of years, and I find myself as the administrator, administrative director of the Hakomi Institute. And it turns out that in those early years, it was a very new age uh, organization at the time. It's much more mainstreamed now. But the idea was that we were going to do this wondrous thing of translating from the, the idea that the doctor knew everything and the patient knew nothing, the parent knew everything and the child knew nothing, and the therapist knew everything and, and the client knew nothing. Uh, which is a very painful and uh, wrong use of the power differential because there's, there's such extremes there. So it, the idea was we would just pretend there or we thought maybe there was no power differential if you were really equal people with each other. Uh, equal human beings with your own ability to choose and make choices. And so that was the idea, but we soon found out that there was a lot of harm being caused by some of the therapists getting involved with, sexually involved with clients or with students. And I thought we better look at this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I, and I really feel no, no shame or blame. We were trying to do a huge service and we did in that the power differential doesn't have to be one you know up power knows all and down power knows nothing or has up power has all power and down power has no power we don't that that really was misuse misuse and abuse of power and it still is everywhere that it exists we needed to bring back the power differential idea because that's really um 
that's really the foundation for the need for ethics, that there is a power difference in many of these relationships, uh, professional ones with healers, and also in the parent-child relationship. Yeah, it seems like maybe the uh, the pendulum swung from that you know really expert-centric or expert-driven model um, too far, it seems, to the client-centered human, like we're equal. You know, there's a, there's a middle place there where it seems like right use of power for, for me or my perception of it with my involvement has been a very pragmatic look at what power differential exists. We can't wish it away. And yeah. if it does exist, then, then what are the ethics around using it and how do we use it in ways that actually get us closer to our, our intended outcomes? And get us closer to being collaborative in our relationships. What do you see going on maybe in your country or around the world with these, this topic? Well, I guess I can best speak about our country. Boy, there's a lot going on about status. And I think a lot of things are going well uh, because it is now so visible and clear. And because uh, women and Blacks and uh, Native Americans are all feeling more more support in speaking up for themselves. And they're actually getting results with a few prominent men who've been abusing women being in jail. That kind of thing really begins to change culture. What I, what I love about race power, what I don't see happening in some of the movements is right use of power doesn't pathologize um, misuses of power. It says that they're, they happen and they can be an opportunity to invest in a relationship. You know, that's it's all feedback and we can either use it to move our use of power forward or we can, you know, shy away from it. Um, but yeah, the, the, do you want us to describe the model a little bit, the four domains yeah. of the right use of power? Cause I think that that's really. I want to um, build on what you just said. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking right now that one of the other difficulties in these conversations is that we have, what we actually have is a continuum that goes from misuse of power on one side to abuse of power on the other. Right. Misuses of power happen in human contacts, relationships, off all the time. Happened they, with my four-year-old this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from her perspective, I'm sure. I was misusing that power to get her out the door on time for preschool. <laughs> So those are the ones that are actually the greatest gist for uh, learning, for repair, for forgiveness, for compassion. And they happen, a lot of them, unpremeditated, unconscious, with goodwill and good intention. And just because we don't know about power dynamics or we made a mistake, that morning because we got out of the wrong side of the bed, it's a human thing, or uh, we didn't, we just didn't know the impact it was going to have ahead of time. All those things. Well, so many people now, so many good, good, good people are now so afraid of misusing power and causing harm because it, it can get blown up into the other category of abuse of power and there are people who are really abusing power on the extreme, knowingly, premeditatedly, in order to get something that 
causes huge egregious harm. Well, these two are so different from each other, but from both sides, they get conflated and mixed up. So that on the one hand, good people become afraid of using power at all, want to disown power so that they won't do anything that looks like the abuse of power side. And so then their misuse of power is becoming what I call power blind because they're not willing to look at the places where they've made a mistake and, and easily repair it. Well, I came to orienting the right use of power training around four different domains because I, I, the ethics classes that I took as a, in becoming a psychotherapist were just all about shame and blame and things, a list of rules you shouldn't do or else. Thank goodness there now, a lot of them are much broader and deeper and better than that. But that was, that would be 30 years ago. And so I thought, well, you know, if you're going to organize around right use of power, um, instead of right use of rules, then let's not imagine that you take one course and suddenly you've got ethics. Let's see how it could be a lifelong engagement with studying your impact. That, that's something you could take to heart and grow with, like in a, in a spiral. If each time you come around the spiral of these four domains, you go to another deeper, more mature place. <laughs> so I had long been doing some ceremonial dances that involved my version of the, of these, of the four Native American directions, south, east and west. So I like this concept of four, and I like the way uh, the seasons go from winter to summer all around. And they, they keep spiraling around. So the four dimensions, one of them is about being informed and present. And that's about being informed from inside you and also from the guidelines and rules of your organization or your company's ethics code and being present to the relationship that you're in. And there are lots of skills related to that. The second one is about being compassionate and aware. And that's about having an having approach to ethics and power that's full of compassion for yourself, for others, for our whole, uh, our whole dilemmas and challenges of being humans and self-aware and becoming more and more self-aware of your history with relation to power, of how you use your influence, of your personal power, those things. The third one is about being connected and accountable. And that is a reminder that ethics does imply and include relationship. And we need to be, we need to know how to stay connected even when there's conflict or difficulties rather than jumping ship as soon as some conflict comes along or getting terrified, but learning how to use conflict for repair and even going deeper, improving the relationship. 
And of course, we need to be accountable. And the fourth is being skillful and proactive. <clears throat> and that's understanding that right use of power involves a lot of skills. One of them is the skill of being able to give and use feedback well, or the skill of making an authentic and effective apology. And being proactive is about knowing yourself enough to be able to uh, proactively, like, like you were being proactive in working with your daughter. You stopped, you stopped a usual response that would have set up a power dynamic and did something else instead. So for the, for the person listening, what's, what's one or two kind of first actions that they can take aside from, you know, I'll, I'll put the links up to, to the websites and, and all the places that they can learn more and the book and that kind of thing, but kind of a practical next step for getting more in tune with their own power. Um, you know, so the, the, the power spiral, you know, seems to me to be a logical place, yeah. but what, how, what, how can people actually get informed or get connected to their own power tendencies or how they kind of view power? And, you know, are there some activities or some questions that you would have people reflect on? Well, I think the very first one is to begin to discern the difference between when you're in your personal power, when you're in your role power, and when you have status power. And first, separating those out and making that an active everyday practice at the end of the day, saying, well, where was I in up power status, down power status, up power role, down power role? Uh, who did I influence today? How did I use my personal power to influence them? It takes some practice in the beginning to identify and discriminate those. Um, but then it gets to be more part of your nature. The second thing is to cultivate, if you are mostly in up power roles most of your life, as many healers are, um, then cult actively cultivate places where you have a chance to be in a down power role and see that it's actually a pretty interesting place. And if you learn how to use it well, instead of disempowering yourself in it, then, then it can be much more uh, exciting and satisfying to be in both roles. And, it, and you'll also gain more humility because you're able to remember what it's like to be in a down power role when you're up power and vice versa. Yeah, I think I like that. And I think that a lot of the, a lot of this, the problems and challenges that we face in society result in dis like from disconnection from our inability to see the needs and values and cares and the humanness sometimes in people when you're in a power position into down power. Um, and so I think that that practice is particularly valuable. Um, at a, at a broader level, like personally, I think it's, it's, it's super useful, but I think that that might be the thing that society needs the most right now is some, some compassion and some empathy um, yeah. for each other. Well, you know, there's, there's another place that I'm finding compassion. More compassion is just reading the research, pretty new research about the neurology of, of power. And in fact, uh, power, having high power changes a lot in your brain. So you get more dopamine and 
increased testosterone, which gives you more of a sense of being in charge and bigger, bigger self. Uh, you get upregulated up dopamine, which increases euphoria, aggression, intense sexual feelings, wanting desire, craving for a reward, um, also addictiveness, and you decrease cortisol, which decreases your anxiety and enhances your mood. So we can have compassion for everyone who has high power. There's also research that shows that those who have a really mm, clear connection to their moral center pole are less likely to be swayed by the effects of on your brain of high power. But imagine it affects everyone. It also, the, these neurological changes also support being able to do your job in a high power role. So they're not just uh, evolutionary brain changes that are about the negative, but they have such a shadow. And that definitely helps me have more compassion. And we are in America, we are getting a uh, textbook uh, lessons in wrong use of power strategies and how easy it is to get deeper and deeper into the shadow side of power. The shadow side of power? That sounds like a conversation we need to have. But first, thank you for listening to Powerful, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in the wise and skillful use of power. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show as it really does help us reach more listeners and have a bigger impact in the world. Now that you've learned more about power as a concept and the right use of power as a framework, listen to episode two, where we're going to dig into personal power and how to understand empowerment and disempowerment as individuals. Don't worry, we'll return to the shadow side of power, but first we need to know why the heck our New Year's resolutions don't stick and what we can do about it.